Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. If you're watching on Twitch, apparently I'm green again. Um, so there will be some figuring that out later uh, in the show. <laughs> but uh, It's the Incredible Hulk edition. He's yeah, really it's mad. Really, it's really crazy. I was wondering if I... You were saying my autofocus was causing some problems, maybe. So if I go to... Uh, Logitech Capture. Can I stop the autofocus? The only thing that's weird to me is that in your zoom window, it must not, we must look normal, normal colorings. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. what's throwing me because yeah. it's just in your zoom window. It's not in, before it even gets to streaming or before anything else happens, it's just sitting in the zoom window. It's green. Um, so weird. Yeah, that's also weird because I think... But they don't have to see Jordan to hear all of his lovely wisdom, off. right? <laughs> Actually, most of the charm of Jordan is being able to watch him, really, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, Mom always said I had a great face for radio, so... <laughs> right. Um, oh, uh, uh, all right. We'll figure well, it out. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Uh, we are a... Uh, oh, it's a Zoom bug, is what uh, the YouTube has been saying. It's been happening Oh, all it's a Christmas edition. It's a Christmas edition Zoom, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you, Mr. So Nathan, Christmas. for the information on that. I've been dying trying to figure it out. For it's the last bothering. It's bothering Lucian a whole bunch. Um, yeah. Well, welcome everybody. Uh, we are the mm -hmm. Dungeons Dragons talk show, talking about RPGs and all the fun things that we do throughout the week, news and what have you. It is right, right at the end of 2021. Christmas is just over the corner, and yeah. So there's not a lot of news, but uh, we have some things that we could talk about. Here and there. It's all in Lucian's mind because he didn't want to write any notes today. So it's going to be a good show. <laughs> it's going to be great. <laughs> First of all, uh, we're big fans of Matt Colville. I caught his uh, live stream and also his new video um, yeah. in which he was saying it's okay to say no to a player. Um, did you watch this? I did. It was really good because it was actually relevant because also over the week, we had a fan kind of come in or somebody that watches the show. I don't know if everybody's a fan, but they came in and they commented and they mentioned about having trouble getting in campaigns. And there was a good discussion oh, yeah. going on about players and GMs and stuff. And then that video kind of dropped and I went and watched it. I thought, oh, this is pretty relevant to the conversation we were just having. And it was interesting because, you know, you nod your head, you agree. I was I was right there with them. And yet, if you took a step back, and he was right what he said at the very beginning where he says, you know, we're always taught as newer dungeon masters or if you watch any advice video, it's yeah. always about just say yes. And, yeah. you know, yes and, and this, or and no but that. kind of a no? thing. Yeah. 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 And it was interesting to see that he had a different take on it. And it was a take that I kind of I think I'm more aligned with. I don't know if I'm exactly in, I, I like I think I tweak it a tiny bit, but I'm more Matt Coville style than not for sure. How yeah. Yeah. I think it's important because, like, uh, I, I'm I'm building this Endegar game, and uh, we're having really good discussions in the. Sorry, Endegar is a fifth edition or just a tabletop RPG uh, campaign world that I want to create. Um, because I've never I've never created a campaign world. I've always played in adapted uh, Forgotten Realms or like I ran a, a Sword Coast no Hot Springs Island game. And that was Still also kind of like its own kind yeah. of world and it had its own rules and oh, things right. like that. Um, so I, I, I have made my own stories, but I've always used other people's uh, worlds. So I thought it'd be fun to like create something from the ground up. Um, and we were talking in the comments about uh, tieflings are not like tieflings in forgotten realms have like an ancient heritage where maybe their great, great grandfather made a pact with the devil. And that's why they look like this or something. Um, but in my Endegar world, tieflings are the product of you're a human that made like a bargain. And then over the years, you've been slowly changing into this creature. And so now you are considered a tiefling because of the connection you made uh, earlier in your life. So you started mm -hmm. human or you started it as an elf or something like that. And so we got on the topic of like, well, if that was what happened, could you have a tiefling cleric? And I was like, no, I don't think so. Because like, if you openly made a pact with something else, a god is going to reject you because of that pact that you made with evil or with something. You're not, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. And so then we got into this huge discussion 
of like, well, can you, you're limiting your players and is that not fun and all this other stuff. And I was like, listen, there's a compromise here. Like I always feel like there is a compromise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what if you wanted, you know, I started as a tiefling and then I rejected all of that, but I still have the physicality of it, you know, stuff like that. So color back. Oh, the color's yes. back. Ladies and gentlemen, your blue, we're, we're your happy. blue t-shirt is so good. <laughs> so, uh, and I was like, no, I think if, if that was the case, I would, I would be okay with it. Um, mm-hmm. But you have to, like, the party, or sorry, your players need to meet you halfway, you know? And yeah. I don't know, have you ever seen uh, the movie The Gamers? It came out really, yeah. Oh, such a good oh, movie. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. like, in that movie, and it's a joke, they're just making fun of D&D, and you should all go watch it. I think it's free on YouTube because they're a Creative Commons movie company in Seattle. They, they make all this stuff. The Hand of, Hand of Fate or something like that. Uh, really, Dead Gentleman Productions, that's what it is. Anyway. Uh, the gamers go check it out but uh in that movie the guy's like well i want to play a monk i want to play an elf monk and he's like well there's no elves and there's no monks in my world and he's just like but it's in the it's in the rules book i should be able to play this right and he's like well no but it's my world and they get in a big fight about it mm-hmm. um and then the the big scene is is uh he they play their characters. So the character comes up and he's got big elf ears and the compromise was, I'll let you play a monk, but you can't be an elf. And then you see the NPC reach over and rip his ears off. Cause he's like, who's <laughs> not an elf. And it's a joke. So that, that was a good video just on a topic that we don't talk about. Like you were saying mm-hmm. is, is saying no, but you don't, I, I always follow the Will Wheaton's law. You don't have to be a dick about it. Um, yeah. But, you know. That's the key too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there, there's a double thing happening there, I think, and that's the big one, is that how you say no is probably just as important as if or when you decide no is okay, mm-hmm. right? And same with yes. When you're saying yeah. yes is okay, the way you're saying it or presenting it um, also, I think, has to be done a certain way so that it's an encouraging thing all throughout the whole thing. I mean, players are going to come up with crazy ideas, and, and just like he was talking about, his player wanted to do something based on gaining a game advantage first based on a um in lore in character idea that he was having that was going to fit in this cool world he just uh-huh. learned about it going to play in and then he had this concept that was like this is going to be so good and i think when you're looking at both of those that also helps you make your decision of where your line might might sit on that but like your your campaign's the perfect example for this because you actually have decided to go through and say some things are here, but some things are not. Because if I add everything, then it's Forgotten Realms. In a way, yeah. I mean, if if you're like, and we've got desert worlds, and we've got this, and we've got this, and you start adding all of these different things, and you're right, you just, you have the Forgotten Realms. And I think there's uh, a lot of power that people forget in being denied something. The idea to say there is no magic in this world when we start this cam- campaign. Mm-hmm. You can look at that as, I don't know, we're playing D&D. This kind of sucks. Why do I want to play with this guy? Or you can embrace being denied something and see where it goes and see what kind of new story you get out of that because all your other stories have always had the magic in it, right? Or just some other crazy thing that we're not having this thing in it, this thing that's a trope, this thing. Goblins are the good guys yeah. in this world. Yeah. Changes everything when you buy into it and you say, okay, let's see where that kind of leads. What kind of new stories do we get when you don't just have, you know, little bad guys that are easy to beat up on and everything's evil. So it's easy to know what evil is and it's easy to make decisions because you can just go do those things without any consequences. But what happens when you do have consequences? Mm -hmm. What happens when your world is missing this? Or what happens when, you know, so I think if people embrace those kinds of things, that's kind of like a dark sun kind of thing too. Like you're in a world where there's hardly any water. There's an you're in a world where things are really messed up. And if you don't embrace dark sun as a campaign world, you want to play a, um, you know, forgotten realms, halfling, whatever, an Eberron, Mm -hmm. you know, giant tank man. And that doesn't fit inside you know, the Mad Max theme of Dark Sun, you're kind Mm -hmm. of missing the whole point of the game. You have to give the Dungeon Master something. That's the thing they get out of being a player in the game. We're all players. There's not just two different groups doing it. We're all players. And my playing part is getting to devise a, a themed world that you get to go and play in and wreck and do all kinds of cool stuff with 
but I'm assuming you're going to play with along with me. I'm assuming you're going to, like you said, meet me halfway mm-hmm. in this theme world. So here's my theme. Here's this thing that's cool for me to make and spend hours on doing and, and stuff. Meet me. And now we're going to play a game inside that. You know, we're in Jurassic Park. We're in, you know, um, you guys were riding a roller coaster and you went through a portal. What's happening now? You have a bow and you have a sword and yeah. You know. Yeah, no, I was uh earlier this year, uh, or maybe it was last year, but uh my friend uh he might be watching, AJ was running a uh D D game and it was his first time being a dungeon master, and he really wanted to run this third party supplement called uh the Weird and Wild or Wild and Weird. And it's like a it's like a horror survival supplement for RPGs. And he straight up said, like, you know, I don't want there to be a lot of magic because the more the more mm-hmm. magic there is, the less. I mean, if you can just conjure food and water, if you can Liaman's tiny hut, that takes away all the other urgency I that I want thing. you guys to have in this game of like, oh, crap, like I don't have a lot of hit points. And there were other ways to heal and things like that. Um, I will say I when we played that game, I was like. I like magic, so I was kind of like, oh, well, okay, I, I guess I'll try this. And so I played a fighter, um, and then I think when I got to level four or five, we unlocked um, some dark magic. So then it was like, okay, well, now if you want to, you can multi-class into a, ma- a mage one. So I multi-classed into Warlock, and so I had Eldritch Blast and stuff, and it was fun. Um, but that was interesting uh, because uh, from, I don't know... D&D is not balanced, I think, to have everybody be a melee character, you know. So we had a we had a blood hunter, which was Matt, uh, uh, the other Matt. Anyway, Matt Mercer is. I think that's his character thing that he created yeah, for which D&D. Is still on. A little yeah. bit of magic. So we had a, a blood hunter. I was a fighter. We had a, a, a um, barbarian, and I think that was it. Just the three of us. And so it was just like. When things had high AC, there was no other alternative. Like, nobody had a spell that attacked their wisdom yeah. or did things like that. So, uh, in that instance, I think we learned that maybe D&D 5e isn't the best for that. Uh, but mm-hmm. that world, like, you would never want to play an artificer. Like, you'd never, you know, there was just a lot of things where you're like, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. And I don't know where I was going with that other than I played a restrictive <laughs> game and yeah. then it was well, in Revenor. I'll give you another one in, <laughs> in Revenor. Um, I wanted there to be some survival aspects to how we traveled from grid to grid. So we were doing a hex based game mm-hmm. and I wanted the characters to forage, make a forage roll, not, not actually play it out and, and RP it all out, but we were going to make up a chart and we're going to have them roll. And if they had a good roll, then it gave them a bonus for the rest of the adventure. And if they had a bad role, it gave them a minus to deal with for the rest of the adventure. They didn't get enough food. They didn't find mm-hmm. enough fresh water or whatever. So in my head, I realized I want to do this survival mechanic that adds a little bit of difference to the different hexes that I'm doing. And the first thing my players were talking about in chat, when I said, Hey, we're going to play kind of a survival game. There's going to be some survival aspects to it. They were like, okay. So the Drew is like, okay, well, I'm going to get good berry. So we've got our food taken care of. And the clerics like, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm going to get create water. And we're going to get, and I'm like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. So I had to take good berry out of the game yeah. basically. And, and I was like, and, you know, you can't just create these things because the whole point of it was to, to do this survival aspect of the game, to add these pluses and minuses to what was going on. The way I explained it in my game is that, they were they've traveled to a whole nother continent so the spell components they needed mm-hmm. wouldn't work here because the way they've learned to do good barrier those other things they didn't exist here there were different plants different um trees different mm-hmm. bushes different whatever so it was going to take them a while because if we were going to get rid of the survival mechanic later on like early on and i wanted to be a thing and then it could kind of fade away after you know, the first couple of levels, they've gotten pretty powerful. Now we don't really need to worry so much about that. But I wanted those first few levels to feel very like a survival game. So I tried to do that. And they all kind of bought in. They all, I think, worked with me, whether, you know, nobody grumbled or anything. But I mean, yeah, I think they were just like, OK, well, we'll we'll see how these mechanics work. And sometimes it was great because sometimes they got a bonus. And what it was is not only were they able to forage for enough food for the group, if they rolled high enough, they got enough stuff to bring back to 
the encampment that they were adventuring out of so they could sell it and make a couple of gold mm -hmm. for bringing back extra stuff to where they are, where they're located at. And if it was bad enough, then they might get just a minus on one of their saving throws. They might get a minus number on like a, a constitution saving throw or something. And it may never even came up in the adventure. Nothing might've ever even caused them to do a constant, right. but they knew something had happened. Like they just hadn't found enough food or the food they ate was bad or they pick something that they weren't supposed to pick and they're slowly learning this new land. So I think it's okay to limit a little bit. I think it's okay. Um, it's always, I think it's no, but it's how you say no, like you said. And mm. I know I, I saw um, one of the uh, Death Angel Shadow here in chat was saying, it's hard for me to say no to my players. And I get that too, because some of the players I've played with, they come to you with some really good ideas. And then if it's a good idea, I can't say no. Like they're like, <laughs> no, 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 listen. It's kobolds inside a contraption that looks vaguely like a dragon, but yeah. it's not. But there's an illusionist that adds the yeah. final piece to it that makes it look yeah. like a red dragon. Yeah. Be sure I mean, when you come up with those crazy. ideas, be sure to copyright them before uh, Kobold <laughs> yeah. Press takes them. So. Exactly. Exactly. Th those are great ideas. Those are, yeah, yeah, I can't not have that. I, How can I not have that? I guess my final thought is like, <laughs> sometimes when you're presented a blank canvas, you're like, I don't know what to paint. Like, this yeah. is just, when you have every option, it's like, I don't know what to do. But when you, and, and I think inadvertently, you know, a, a dungeon master will say like, we're going to start in this city. So then you're thinking like, okay, I'm probably not going to be like a drow from the Underdark who's evil that worships Lulth or something. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. how do I fit into this city? So already that restriction has got you thinking creatively. And so mm -hmm. I would encourage, if you are a DM and somebody's, you know, butting heads with you, just encourage them like, how can you creatively solve the problem that I have given you? Like, how yeah. are you going to play? And what video? player do so. you know only has one character? Concept? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so if just mm -hmm. one of yours is if they give you a no on one of them. Actually, I do know I'm that player. I'm sure you it's have my a wife handful. And she only plays vampires. So oh, oh, wow. <laughs> again, when she said vampire, she had me at vampire, whether my world had it or not. There I'm like, go. yep, it's in. We're good. <laughs> um. So, yeah. And then uh, moving on, I wanted to I wanted to talk about we don't. I feel like we we do we drop kickstarters every once in a while and we talk about yeah. things like that but like ones we're interested you know, in you know 5e's been out for a while and there's a lot of third party supplements that are that have come out for it and yeah. um just like off the top of your head like are there some third party supplements that you uh I mean strongholds and followers is an obvious choice but like what are what are things that you actively use in your game like what what uh, stronghold and followers okay yeah that has been definitely in my game it's been used we built the paladin has been able to build the fort okay they um the dwarf was able to get a um a role on one of the companion things and got something really cool off of that um so we've been using those i love those it does swing the power of the game. So you just got to be ready for that. Yeah. Most third party. The other one I use a ton is um, gods and goddesses from Jetpack seven. Okay. Love their artwork. And they yeah. added some in some more deities because when I went to Revenor, I wanted a different deity set or at least some different deities, not just forgotten realm deities. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to mix some other ones in. Um, so I use that one to bring in um, a couple of different deities. And what's cool about that is it not only tells you how the clerics are a little bit different, but it tells you how the paladins are different. And they have different abilities and things that they can do too. So that's kind of fun to bring yeah, in. Yeah, that is cool. Boy, Jetpack uh, Seven—they've been making some really good stuff. And I bought their Legendary Dragons uh, book recently. Um, yeah. And it just—if you like dragons, it has like a bunch of unique dragons that have a really cool set of lore that you can put into your into your stories. So mm -hmm. those are the one. Now I backed some um, other campaigns. Mm-hmm. So I backed that 20, uh, I, we were just talking about 2160 carbon cyberpunk game yeah. as a 5e game. But in my game, those are the two I can think of. What yeah. about your game? What, what supplements have you used? Yeah, I, I was thinking that um, I haven't actually <laughs> used that many. And like for, for the amount that I buy, um, I want to, I definitely want to use more of uh the supplements that i have bought because there's a lot of supplements that i bought that i'm like this is amazing it's really well done but it doesn't necessarily fit into the campaign i'm running at the time uh that's this one yeah what is that 
<laughs> this is the uh, Cairo Halls of Adventure, Adventure's Guide to Yao Sing, and it's a version of D&D 5e that's done in Korean. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you were talking about that. And the guy yeah. put a lot of work into it, and he built some classes, and he built a lot of history and culture that you could use and, and throw in here and how um, some things are different. I really liked it, but it doesn't fit in my campaign yet. Yeah. I might want to run one at some point, but yeah, yeah. it doesn't fit there yet. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, somebody, yeah. in chat, uh, RPG DMCA, uh, brought up Arcana of the Ancients and that's another yeah. one. So that's Numenera in 5e and oh, monster books and like, well, yeah, monster books. Um, but specifically that if you wanted to run a regular fantasy game where they run into um, a spaceship and you want to like ha- introduce these weird in Numenera, they're called ciphers, but introduce yeah. these weird kind of disposable battery charged things. Uh, Arcana of the Ancients is really good. Um, and then I, uh, specifically, there's a, a great supplement called Magical Industrial Revolution, which is mm. this idea that... Um, you're using magic, but somebody is using it in a uh, in a mathematical way. So it's like, well, I need to I need to have a constant supply of electricity, and so you hire a wizard to open a portal to the plane of water, which creates a waterfall that spins your wheel to create all of the electricity you need, or something like that. Very um, cool. One that I want to use really, really bad is Faiths of the Forgotten Realms, which. Mm-hmm is the system from, um, what was that system? It was Theros, I think. Yeah, no. Can't remember. But it's the idea that I could uh, follow a particular god and get benefits from that god without being a cleric. So I like the idea of like, I could, yeah, that was Theros, I think. So I could be a um, a uh, paladin of, oh no, this, sorry. I'm I'm getting I'm getting them confused. Those were two different supplements. Faiths of the Forgotten Realms <laughs> is um, here's a subclass for a specific god in the Forgotten Realms. So if I wanted to, you know, be a, a cleric or a paladin of of mask, I could. And or if I wanted to be, you know, like here are the benefits of this particular god. And I really like that idea of playing a very specific one. And then he made a supplement called Faiths of the Forgotten Realms two that actually took it and said, you know, you could follow these gods, but you don't necessarily have to be a um, paladin or a cleric. So right. it's like, if you want to follow, yeah. Like if you want to follow the dark God uh, of the, of the drow, the Gonador of uh, the God of slimes and oozes, here's a sorcerer subclass that you could play. And so mm-hmm. I like that. And, and I'm not sure how balanced they are because like, I've never ran them, but I like the idea of like, let's do a very, everybody's got like a faith kind of campaign and a very God centric campaign. And why would you guys work together? Like, Mm -hmm. especially if you don't follow the same God. And I thought that could be a lot of fun. Or if you have a player that's like, I really just want to be devoted to, uh, low Vietar. Like she's the coolest ever. And I want to be a Goliath. And you're like, okay, I'm on it, Jordan. Yeah. Boom. (laughs) Everything I have seen as an add on thus far has been slightly overpowered from what gets released by Wizards of the Coast. So even like, yeah. I mean, me and you've used Cobalt Press's um, Beasts and Beast series. Yeah, yeah Toma Beasts huge is huge mega book. All of those beasts are tougher. They do, you know, they just, a better set of um, uh, things they can do. Usually their hit points are a little bit higher. They're just a little bit tougher creature if you add in. So when you're looking at their CR, <clears throat> I think their CR is more real. When it says CR 4, you know your group, your four guys of, you know, fourth level characters are going to have some tough yeah. times if like that one. In the Monster Manual, maybe not so much, you know, f- you know, a couple of four. Yeah, dro- a- I dropped a couple, and some of those are brutal. Like, uh, yeah. I just, in Rod of Seven Parts, right before we finished the game, I used a Tome of Beast Monster that I like called the, uh, it's a, it's a treasure golem, and it's yeah, just a big, cool like, waving swirl of stuff, but if it hits uh, an attack on you, it steals a magical item. Yeah. And so that was really crazy. Cause I was like, no, you lost this. And uh, I was going to take away um, uh, Ted's uh, lightsaber, but he, he <laughs> made a save. So he was fine. But it was one of those <laughs> things where I was like, no, that, that was a real possibility because what were you, what yeah. are you going to do now that you don't have your lightsaber? Like that's an interesting development in the story kind of a thing. So, yeah. 
Yeah. But yeah, Cold so War I, like I, I use Tome of Beast a lot, and I haven't used Tome of Beast 2 that much because, well, it's just come out. I'm and still I, getting through Tome of Beast 1. Yeah, and there's so many monsters, but they did a great job on that one. But I like Tome of Beast and Creature Codex. I've used those a lot in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, another one that I really want to use and enjoy, I want to do a, a crafting-centric game, if that makes sense. Like, I like the idea of uh, adventures going, like, mm-hmm. having a city... And adventurers going out and getting monster parts and then coming back, back with their funds to craft some kind of magical item. And Witch Plus Craft has got a yeah. really cool crafting system, and I really like that. So yeah, I was I waiting know, for you to say that one because you talked about it a lot in yeah. a lot of our different shows. And I was waiting to see when you were going to add that to one yeah. of the campaigns you were running. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It's yeah. funny. There's so many really good supplements, but I, I don't think I would want to run a campaign that has all of them at the same time, you know? Yeah, but and you're I, just I picking like, and choosing. It would, yeah. I really like that crafting system, and I wanted to, to be able to do things like that. It's based on D6s, um, but it, it's, it's fun. And, like, you mm-hmm. kind of add D6s as you are better at crafting, and so you up your chance of your, you know, percentage roll of, like, successfully doing it. Um, but there's also the questing aspect of, like, okay, I need to go get a tooth from a Hydra. So you have to go and convince all your party members to kill this Hydra so that you can then come back and make a dagger out of its tooth. And that's magical <laughs> and spits venom or something. And uh, kind of fun. So. Oh, it's so funny you're saying that. Remember what you're saying because it's going to come back in the show. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, and I've, I've used Strongholds and Followers. We played in a game that did that, but like, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. There was just lots of really, really cool stuff. I'm looking at all my like third party stuff and I've got Jetpack 7 and Frog God Games and yeah, there's a lot of good stuff yeah. out there, and I'm and, glad there is. I'm glad there's a lot of people making yeah. supplements that you can add to your game, things that, I mean, because we all have creativity and we add stuff to our games, but it's cool to see what some other people have come up with or to help drive your inspiration. Or mm-hmm. I just like, I really, I lean on that, you know, um, creature book a lot because there there's a pretty good monster manual set of books out for Wizards of the Coast right now. There's a lot. Two years yeah. ago, it felt a little lean. Yeah. Right yeah. now, it feels pretty good. But like, I could still, just use published Wizards of the Coast if I wanted yeah, to. And in I fact, I did for Rod of Seven Hearts. So. I could use yeah. another couple of monster books for sure. Um, just to keep my players on their toes. Like, because they love it when they meet something they've never seen. Yeah. Because they're, they're old D&D, you know, players from, from way back. And so throw something weird at them like that that treasure golem would just yeah. they'd be talking about it for weeks because yeah. it's uh, never uh the my favorite is we fought an oozasis which is an ooze yeah. that hides as an oasis and so they went and they're like oh water finally and then the whole thing rose up and attacked them and that was fun <laughs> and that's something that we still talk about we meet my friends like oh yeah, yeah. that oozasis was so cool yeah. um the final one I want to bring up and this isn't a 5e supplement per se but uh there are lots of third party well i said should say shouldn't say third party there are a lot of system neutral things like hot springs island and things like that um but one that i bought that i've used a little bit uh but if you're interested it's called the nameless grimoire and Mm -hmm. it is got 666 spells Nice. and they're all kind of uh well they're just D &D esque so you can kind of make them make them work for 5e really easily but when you have the wizard, when you have the player that has the all of the spells memorized, and they're playing a wizard, and you want to drop something kind of odd, uh, it's like, yeah, you find this book, and it's in a language you don't realize, and so it's like, oh, I cast, you know, detect language. You now know uh, the spell apathy, and you're like, what? Like, what is that? And so I don't know. There's a lot of really fun control mm-hmm. fungi, like. This this has just some weird, and then there's fireball and things like that in this book, but lots mm-hmm. of interesting little ones uh, that do cool stuff. So I like it. Um, glowing objects. I'm just looking at some of them. Insanity. Is I, w- I would love another couple of third party books that gave us big groupings of spells. Mm-hmm. Like here's 50 new spells, or here's you know. In the form, in the in the theme of, you know, what Wizards of the Coast is doing. But here's these other spells. Mm-hmm. That'd be fun. Because I that and to me, the thing that lacks a little bit in 5th edition, it feels like all the stuff we have has come from the previous editions. And we haven't got a lot of new 
magic spells for fifth edition. We've got all the other ones that have come from all the other editions. Yeah. And just recently with the newest books, Tosh, is that we got a couple of new spells that maybe we've never had before. Right. But for the most part, you could probably count them on both hands, spells that weren't in any other version. So they haven't really added a lot of new spells in fifth edition. They just brought everything back. But same with magic items. All the magic items that I've seen in the Dungeon Master's Guide, are, and that's really the only place with a few sprinkled here and there throughout some of the other books are a lot of stuff that came from other editions or came from other adventures. And then they brought it into five E, but not seeing a lot of new things. Right. Mm -hmm. And five E is just not the magic item game these days. It's not like everybody's running around with five or six or seven different magic items on them. They've got a couple and that typically is your campaign before it falls apart. So I don't know. That's the one thing I think that lacks for five E for me is that I almost want, a version of Dungeons and Dragons that's more heavy focused on magic items and magic spells and less focused on the abilities you get each level. Yeah. Because you don't really need those things. You, if you're getting you should check level. out, uh, uh, questing beast, Ben, Ben Milton. Uh, yeah. Ben. Yeah. He, he made a game called Nave where there is oh, yeah. no class, but it's based off of what weapons you find in equipment. Mm-hmm. So like when you hold the scepter, you are, a cleric and when you hold the wizard rod you're a wizard and when you have the sword you're a fighter and so it cha- you can change on the fly too so it's kind of fun like oh give me that stuff mm-hmm. i want to try this out for this round and then you like swap it back and forth and it's a cool idea where the magic items are what empower you rather than just like you having a yeah. class and matt kind of mentioned that in his video this idea of <clears throat> I want their powers to come from the magic item and be unique. And that's how they gain their powers. That's how they get these cool things. That's what lets you do Misty Step. That's what lets you do Mm -hmm. cast a silence bubble or something. It's coming from these items that you're using versus we just all have access to these huge spell lists or this ability list that we get because of our subclasses. Yeah. Um, there was a spell, I was just looking at our 666 spells in this nameless (laughs) grimoire. And one that caught my eye was called Live Fast, Die Young. There and so go. it's a third level spell. And when you, you cast this spell, you can sacrifice points from your health to increase your die rolls. So as you lose health, you can, on the next die roll, apply that um, before or after the roll. But during, during this spell, you can't be healed. You can't gain any kind of benefits mm-hmm. from healing. I so like it. it is like, a, well, I'm going to cast this and we're going to go like my spells will land. But every time I do that, I'm just hurting myself. And it's a really good idea to just kind of, I don't know. Some of these are probably overpowered. No, I love a it because of the mage. I'm like, I'm going down to one hit point. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. I love the idea that life force is tied to your power. It's cool. Oh, yeah. And Skull Dixon, thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, he made a um, a game system called... Uh, here, here be monsters, or not a game system, but like extra monsters and stuff. And yeah, Skull's yeah. a big, uh, big fan of the channel. It's been around for a while, so thank you for sharing. Um, so yeah, those are. I just think if you really like D anD D, you probably already go out and search a lot of the third party products and maybe the DMs Guild and things like that. But there's a lot of really awesome stuff out there. So that is all yeah. I really wanted to talk about. Is just uh, uh, if you you can mm-hmm. use D anD D five e to make a lot of cool stories with with various third party supplements to find that the way you play. So thank God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> moving gods. on to Very everybody's uh, favorite part of the show. Uh, Bardic inspiration. I'm not going to play mine because your screen hasn't been green for a while and I don't want to touch anything. Like okay. I'm not touching. Yeah, nothing don't right don't mess with it. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to mess with it either. Um, but uh, this is, this is the favorite part of the show because I have Yay. nothing, no idea what Lucian's going to talk about, but we're going to start with mm-hmm. Lucian. Lucian, what is your Bardic oh, Lucian, inspiration? Right? Well, I've been reading a, a book, and usually a lot of mine have been coming from books lately because I've been reading a lot. And I, I read a lot of game lit uh, RPG literature right now, so a lot of stuff on um, novels that are based on people playing video games or being stuck in the video game or being thrust into the video game virtual world or whatever. And the one we're playing, the one I'm reading right now, which is really fun, I think you would like, is. Um, it revolves around a new player in a, in a city, a medievalish low, well, probably high magic city. Think of like a, a water deep would be a good, probably equivalent. And the premise that the author took on it is what does water deep do with all the waste that's happening? And they've created this district called the pits. And what happens is, is they create these pits 
and each pit has a monster at the bottom of it, some type of creature that likes to eat certain things. Yeah. So if you want to get rid of wood and stuff, there's this pit for the wood. If you want to get rid of refuse, there's a pit for that refuse. If you want to get rid of um, undead stuff, there's one that likes to eat that kind of stuff. So they create this whole economy around the pits. Well, the player joins on to a pit restoration team while he's low level and learning how to live in this world. And he's going to help restore pits that have gone out of control or have been old and are run down and need to be rebuilt and reset. So Mm -hmm. they go in, they clear all the monsters out. And so the pit restorer says, I'll do this job. He gets paid for it, but he gets anything that's in the pit. So they get to clean it out and whatever's in there. So the first one they're cleaning out was an old trash pit, but in the story, somebody had thrown a noble's body in there to get rid of it, so nobody would find out. So a mystery happens because they find this the noble signet ring, they find his coin purse, they find a sword that was on his hip, they find some other stuff at the bottom after they're done cleaning out, and they can sell those things to to help. Fac- you know, it's like their bonus money for cleaning out and restoring the pit. And then it kind of goes off because the player starts to figure out, well, what am I going to do with the signet ring? And he starts to realize who's trying to kill who, and then he gets wrapped up into this whole thing that's going on. And so it was a really cool thing. So the second part of that economy that I think was fun for a campaign, if you tried to run this, was that the pit monster parts are very valuable. So like having the liver or the spleen of the, you know, the the plated worm is can be used for lots of things. So when they have to go in and clean these things out, not only do they do that, but they dissect everything. They take all the valuable parts and they go down to a different part of town where they sell all those valuable parts. So that kind of fits right into your witchcraft kind of yeah, thing too, yeah. where you're grabbing these monster things. So the whole idea, and then it's kind of very Ack Inc. because you could sign on to a pit restoration company. You would get a pit and they would say, okay, we want this restored in the next month. You've got a month to restore it. Here's the keys. There's walls around it that lock the creature in through pretty high level magic. But other than that, you have to figure out how you're going to clean them out. What's in there? What do you do with all the stuff? You have to clean all the muck out, get it all done, and then it turns back into this nice restored thing. Mm-hmm. You hand the keys back over, and then that person brings in the next pit monster, and then they start this whole business about what what's going to be thrown in the pit. And the whole thing revolves around how the city gets rid of waste and, and all the stuff that's yeah. going on. So I thought it was an interesting – you could have a pretty fun campaign, Act Inc. styled <laughs> – you have a company. Maybe yeah, I like that you're company. you're basically like the the sewage team, or like you're yeah. the garbage collectors of a fantasy world, and that's Perfect something we level don't. One character. Yeah, we don't think <laughs> about that, but like that, you know, yeah, we got to figure out what to do. You know, we're not Harry Potter and just magic away our poop. So. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> and and what they've done too is they you could have they talk about it in the book a little bit. They said, well, we could have just put a a gelatinous cube down there. And everything would have been dissolved, but we don't make money that way. Yeah. What we want to do is get a creature that eats the stuff, but then excretes something that's valuable that we can use or having those things breed while they're down there. And then we're culling them for the parts that we need is the money making scheme that's going on. So it's not just about getting rid of the trash. It's about getting rid of the trash in such a way I make money on it. Yeah. Which I thought was a really cool, interesting idea for to throw your players at. And if they're first level players in a new world and you're like, well, you could be a pit restoration is up on the tack board. They need a couple <laughs> people for that. Uh, you could join the city guard, I guess, if you want. There's There seems to be something going on. There's missing children in the town, you know, and then they could yeah. just pick something and just kind of go their own way. I thought it'd be a very interesting, fun campaign. The book's been a fantastic read so far. Um, it's what's been the book really called again? Good. And I knew you were just going to say it as I was going to open no. it up. The book is called, uh, I'm on the second one, Second Story Man. The first one was called Scouts and Scoundrels, I want to say. Yeah. It reminds me of, you mentioned uh, Gelatinous Cubes, but yeah, I, I read. Scamps a, and Scoundrels. Okay. I read a, um, a, a game that was like a wizard. Well, I, it was a it was a dungeon, but it was a wizard's tower to explore. And one of the rooms was a throne that had a hole in the seat. And long story short, you come to find out that this was actually a toilet. Like it's the wizard's grand toilet. But mm-hmm. when you look down into the into the throne, because there's a hole, it goes to a gelatinous cube. And then yeah. like every the idea of it just like, oh, that's disgusting. But he trapped a gelatinous cube in there to just like get rid of his waste because it would just dissolve it and, and whatever. Because gelatinous cubes are weird like that. They just kind of they don't grow. They just 
they just consume so it's weird but uh, i put it yeah. in chat so it was uh, scamps and scoundrels by eric ugland he does a lot of lit Ooh. rpg stuff been a really fun read so far about a character who uh gets transported into this game world and he starts out as a thief but he's looking for a job in the very beginning oh cool game lit a lit game RPG. lit if i'm into it it's all the stuff i've been reading i don't if anybody in chat is liking that stuff too i'm just like a huge fan all of a sudden uh very okay. cool that's awesome. awesome so that was my thing i thought you would like it i knew it'd be a campaign you would dive into oh yeah could, I, well i don't usually to... dive into poop, <laughs> but uh, no i would play that yeah. that would be fun i would run that yeah. so Oh, yeah. Uh, what about Jordan's Bardic inspiration? He had something written down. I saw the notes before I turned him off. Yeah, um, I, I I was so I, I got a I got a little like retro device um, that plays uh, ROMs and stuff. And mm-hmm. I've been playing uh, <clears throat> the uh, Pokemon Emerald. I've been playing the old Pokemon games and I was thinking about super effective, you know, and we kind of have that like you if you never play Pokemon, which I'm sure everybody has. But like, uh, you know, if I do a fire attack against a leaf or a, yeah, a plant monster, it's super effective and does double damage. And we have that in D&D. We have resistances and vulnerabilities. So if this creature is resistant to that, you do half damage to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was, we don't really have like a wheel, uh, if that makes sense. Like in the world, well, I guess, I guess like generation one Pokemon, it really felt like it was this wheel of like, you know, fire hurts plant, but plant hurts water and water hurts fire. And it was this wheel. Yeah. Like um, the and rock, paper, scissors. Yeah. Rock, paper, mechanic. scissors. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so I was thinking of like, well, just what if we took the, the four elements like air, earth, fire, and water, that just makes the most sense and make a wheel. And this kind of stemmed from, uh, I've been working on a hack of an open source, uh, game called open D six, where it's like a bunch, it's a bunch of D sixes. And I was trying to, take that system and like, how could I make it my own and make like a fun combat oriented RPG using D sixes. So the Named idea of Naruto, Naruto yeah. yeah. The, <laughs> the idea of that game is uh, I would have a, a set base of, of items that you could take. And then I would build a character and Lucian, you would build a character and then we would on a grid fight and who wins yeah. kind of a thing. And I like this idea of like, I don't want to make it where you have to fight monsters. You could still fight monsters, but I like the idea of like, if we actually wanted to just like duke it out, wouldn't mm-hmm. that be fun? And spell you could, sling, yeah, like yeah. spell sling or full on. Who's better, the wizard or the fighter? Let's figure it out, you know, and like yeah, things yeah, like yeah. that. And, and I don't know. So I've been playing around with that. And I like the idea of uh, the, the, the wheel of that, that Pokemon super mm-hmm. effective kind of thing. So if I am casting an air spell against an earth-based creature, I want it to do extra damage. But if I'm casting a air spell against water, it's going to do less damage because it's like, well, what does that even do? So that's kind of my bardic inspiration as I've been playing around with that idea. And, and I like, I don't know, I just like that you could, if I have knowledge about my enemy, I can do more damage. And, and that's been a fun um, aspect mm-hmm. of D&D that we don't usually get to lean into because a lot of times it's like, oh, you're a troll, but I don't know that trolls are vulnerable to fire, so I probably shouldn't do that. But what if we allowed the player to have player knowledge and encouraged that? It's like, okay, mm-hmm. how do I, I need to figure out what element this guy is. I'm going to, I'm going to cast a fire and just see, oh, it like, it does extra damage, you know, and play around with that idea. So. Right. Yeah. yeah. I like that. I like the idea too. I, I've always thought of that um, in a way I've had a similar idea. Um, where I wanted to play Magic the Gathering, but I wanted to play it on a grid with things that were moving around versus it being in the card game mode. I wanted to turn the card game into a tactical battle game, right? Mm -hmm. So it was kind of the same idea of you could have these buying different magics and you'd have things moving on a board and there would be, like you said, D6 system to figure out how all things are going on, but it's still based in that five-color magic or something. So there's a lot of, you know, push and pull on those and i like the i like the idea of you know rock paper scissors of trying to figure out what you're weak against what you need to switch to to be more powerful against oh they're using an earth shield so i should use a fire-based attack or you know whatever it might Uh be that that's probably the opposite but like here comes that fireball so an earth shield would probably work better than say 
a fire shield or a water shield and just blow mm-hmm. right through that or something. So you have these no, that, things that are constantly. Yeah. And that also goes back to just counter spells. Like we've, I, you yeah. know, it's no, no secret that I don't enjoy counter spell, but I would love a counter spell. If it's like, I cast a fireball at you and you summon you. The idea of your counter spell is to summon a water shield. And then that yeah. counters the fireball. Like, I think that's cool. Like I would yeah. love to play something like that. So yeah. yeah. And I, it should be, there should be a variable in there, not a yes or no answer for counterspell. It should be, okay, here comes the fireball. You've said you're going to use your shield that's water-based, so you do your water shield. Yeah. Now let's roll to see who was more effective on their spell or who was quicker, who was, you know, yeah. did it get, did a little bit get through? Did you stop the whole thing? You know, let's put some randomnessity in there so we can see how that magic is swirling around with each mm-hmm. other. I think that'd be really fun too if there was mechanics for that. Instead of just... I counterspell on my reaction. I counterspell your reaction with my reaction. And then I can. <laughs> and then we go into Lucian's rant about counterspell in D&D 5e, which he hates. <laughs> yeah. Um, indoor in chat was reminding us that there was a HeroScape version of Magic the Gathering. That is kind of what you want. Um, and it's called oh, Arena of the Planeswalkers. Me. And it's really fun. Like, I, I bought it because... Direction. I bought it because it was on sale and it looked like a cheap way to get minis. Cause at the time I'm mm-hmm. like, I need to find some minis for my game. But then we ended up playing it a couple nights and I don't know anything about magic, the gathering, but I like HeroScape, and it was fun to like sit down on the table and, and I, it was a, a birthday one night. Out. We all got together yeah. and, and played it. So. I will look into that. Yeah, it's that fun. Cool. I will, I will share a link with you, sir. Well, that's so cool. Great. And still, we were talking last week, and I, I've been thinking about it all week. We're still a tiny bit in, in Bardic Inspiration, but Magicka. Yeah. The idea or creating Magica. a campaign or creating a way that your players can cross the streams, right? Mm-hmm. And then something spectacular happens. I think we need more of that. Like mm-hmm. you're you're throwing your lightning, and I'm like, okay, I see his lightning going, and I'm going to shoot the, the water um you know yeah water spell spell. that i've got yeah. and they both combined and then this happens yeah. you know and it's just like i want more of that stuff yeah. in a game that sounds just super cool too or un- un- be unable to cast uh lightning spells when it's raining because then you just yeah. shock yourself like i always thought that was really fun that that is just a great or game. So you fun. do it where there is water and then, then it's an area of effect spell it's no longer yeah a, yeah you know you utilizing the environment like yeah that'd be yeah. really cool Sounds and like just, we want a different game entirely just from D and D, but we, we want it to D&D feel like D and D in some way. And who knows? <laughs> yeah. Maybe my D six system will be that when I figure it out. Yeah. But yeah, I'll need play testers at some point. So I'll I'll, I'll outsource or I'll outsource. Or I'll use the 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 Saturday morning D and D show folks as a testing ground. That we can all play. yeah, it be a lot. That'd of fun. be super cool. We need yeah. it needs to be fun and fast. I think that's the key. Something fun, something fast, mm-hmm. something interesting. So Lucian, uh, I hear you play games as well, rather than just I talk do. about them. Every now what, and then. What's going on in the in the video game world? And by dungeon, video game, the dungeon world of Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Dungeon video Mad game Mage. wise, I've been what have I been doing video game wise? I played the crew a bunch. I wanted to race all week, so I've been racing all week. Oh really? For some reason, I no just more Diablo three. To drive? No, I got got my characters as high as they could go, okay. and I I see I'm you play a lot of Diablo three. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, bounced off that a little bit. But Dungeon of the Mad Mage, we um. It's been super good. We are attempting to kick down the door of Xanathar's lair. We just went through a mass ton, like a Star Wars movie full of stormtroopers load of henchmen at this point. And we are just wrecking through and we have now found Xanathar. And this is going to be interesting because I don't know. Are there stats for Xanathar? Have you seen stats for him anywhere? Uh, in I'm in thinking my deep? DMs made him up. Sure. <laughs> I don't know, actually. Yeah, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna my DMs making him up. And I'm thinking it's got to be tougher than a regular Beholder, right? Based off the Beholder, but tougher. So I think we're in for a crazy, crazy fight. And this could be one of those ones where we see a TPK, which we have not had with our... Uh, digital down under dungeon master from Australia yet, (laughs) but I'm sure it could happen. So it's interesting to fight these really big things, but we're walking through these hallways like we're superheroes right now. And that's definitely going to get us in trouble because you know how you get overconfident when you just blow through 20 or 30 bad guys. 
and it's not too tough. And you're just like, well, that means the dungeon master as a dungeon master. If you blow through 30 of my minions, I've got to throw something tougher at you because that's just how the game works. <laughs> so I know something tougher is coming down the pipe. So mm-hmm. we didn't go down to the fourth level yet. Um, so because we're still for whatever reason, our wizard decided he wanted to take Xanathar down. I don't know where that thought came from. I don't know why <laughs> he decided, but he's just like, no. We're going to his hideout. We're kicking the door in and we're we're ending Xanathar. And I'm thinking, dude, he has a book to himself. It's called Xanathar's Guide to Everything. I don't know if we're getting rid of this guy, but uh, we're going to see if it works out. So it's been pretty fun. Those are on Tuesday nights on Danimal DM's Twitch channel. He's been um, streaming those. Super fun to watch us play. I think there's a lot of humor in the game. It's a lot of fun. High magic. We've gotten a lot of magic item backup, too, because we've been using the downtime rules And if you use downtime rules, which allow you to possibly acquire magic items, you can actually get them instead of just waiting for your adventure to to hand them to you. Um, So we've got some pretty cool loadouts. We've got some really good characters that have been playing. And it's been really fun. We're going to play this week, even though um, Christmas is coming up. Everybody said they wanted to play, so that was good. Uh, I think it's the one good thing about... Well, I don't even want to say that, but the one thing that's we've been able to take advantage of everybody not being able to go anywhere and people not planning to go and hang out with family as much, mm-hmm. people not leaving their homes as much. And we all know why um, it has led to more consistent game playing and everybody being available every single Tuesday night That's and not cool. having stuff yeah. come up. So we're getting a lot of gaming in, which is really cool if you're a gamer. So that's kind of a, a nice side benefit to, you know, everything else that's going on is that, hey, there's a lot of time to game if you just want to stay home and stay safe. So, but what about Jordan's? Now, your big campaign wrapped up. All your campaigns have wrapped up, right? Yeah, yeah. But you're in the big throes of 30 days, 30 videos. Yeah. You've thrown yourself, you've dropped the gauntlet. So that has to be some of the Ooh. stuff that's going on. Um, yeah, what no, else is I, I haven't been playing, which has been sad. Uh, and I have yeah. been running games, but it's been kind of nice to have a break too. Um, and I think mm-hmm. the Rod of Seven Parts group, um, which I they call they want to call themselves the Banana Bunch, and I just am like, okay. But so the Banana <laughs> Bunch, they want to get back together. Um, maybe like February, we're just kind of taking some time off. There's been talk of doing maybe a holiday special where we just kind of <laughs> use those characters, but like before, after the events, who knows? Yeah. Uh, and so I don't know. And then uh, Indoor and I actually have been talking about running. Um, I, I bought a DCC. Go ahead and take a drink, Animal. I bought a DCC a uh, holiday game, the 2020 holiday module. Um, and I forget the name of it, but I read it. and it, It's really fun. And so we did a last year. I did a DCC holiday game on Indoor's channel. That was a lot of fun. And so this year I was like, oh, maybe we should do that again. That'd be, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, he runs a, he runs a game every year, I think, right on on the holidays. So he's well, he just runs on his channel. Games. Yeah, so there's like, but he lets he lets he he runs them or other DMs come in and run them for him yeah. too. So he's done a lot of cool stuff. Or, or he does this 24 hour stream, which is probably coming up at some point. He's done before too. So, uh, they all is he in chat? He's probably talking in chat and telling us. What yeah, he, well, he's in he's in the YouTube chat. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, he does say Waterdeep has the stats for Xanathar. So I wonder if it's not a custom. <clears> oh, so. maybe it's in there. Maybe he's using um, those. But yeah, no, I haven't haven't been playing games. Kind of sad. Uh, but. You know, it is it is what it is. So <laughs> I might do some online games, but no, the the world building has has been uh, a lot, and I've been going through that, and it's been good. A lot of people in the comment section of those videos, uh, creating my world of Endegar, they they ask really good questions, and one guy specifically kind of summed up my entire gaming career. I feel where he's like. <laughs> you get really excited about little things and you kind of want to put all of them into your world. And maybe you need to have like a, a more overarching direction or something. Uh, and so I was like, boy, that is, that's everything because I'll be <laughs> like, man, I want to like, I want a desert adventure. And I just like whisk my players away to the desert because that's what I want to do. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I want to do this now. And uh, I want an Ori and I want that. And I do like whenever I think is cool. I usually just throw it into my game because mm-hmm. uh, I like it. So uh, it was interesting to have somebody point that out and be like, that might work for just like a fun game, but like for a directed kind of world, maybe you don't do that. Like what's 
think about it. Like, what is the point of having this here other than you think it's cool? And I was like, yeah, there's no point. I just think it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> but in the end of the day, if it's your world and it's your game, kind of do whatever you want. But I, I thought that yeah. was fun to kind of think about. So, mm -hmm. um, but I'm having a lot of fun with that. And then uh, when I'm not working on that and thinking about other stuff, I've been working on this modular D6 game that I've kind of been putting together and just trying to make the math work. It's, it's weird because I don't want to just straight up use that system because I don't actually enjoy it that much. The, the numbers just get so high because you have to do in open D6, you have to do a attack roll and then they have to do a defense roll. And then you add up all of these D6 and see whose number's higher. And so, you know, let's say I roll a 15 and you roll a 13. Well, I ended, you know, I do two damage to you. And, and that's fine when it's, you know, 13 and 15. But when you start getting, all right, I rolled a 65 because of how many D6s you're adding. I was like, mm -hmm. whoa, this is a lot. So I'm, I'm doing some, I'm doing some math and I'm trying to figure it out, but that's been fun. Like to just like, how, how would, how would you create a game like that? So, um, and yeah. then with the idea that I want it to be like PVP focused in a way, you know, so. Well, the, uh, back to your campaign world. Yeah. The most important question, where did the word Indigar or how did you name this campaign world? Where did that come from? Is oh, that yeah. in one of the videos? Uh, it is. It's in the first couple videos. And oh. uh, I'm going to disappoint you. It was a random name generator. Oh, so, <laughs> there are various parts of the world that are very intentional um, and coincide with an overarching theme. But uh, boy, I am not good when it comes to names. So yeah. a lot of my villains and stuff are named after <laughs> uh, Latin versions of words that I liked. Uh -huh. Like the main villain is Domitica, which is domination. It's kind of a Latin root of that. Um, and uh, so there's that. But Endegar, I found a couple of words that I was like, okay, I like how these sound. And I combined them together. And then I removed some letters in between. And I came up with this word called Endegar. And it just sounded cool. And it, it felt right. And so that's what, yeah. So it's not special. Awesome. Sorry. Well, we were both <laughs> commenting on a video we both saw that had a whole bunch of views. It was like the, the worst video for being a dungeon master. The guy does a really good job. Oh, yeah. Joe Cat. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And uh, there was one slide in there that he did that nailed me. It said, are you shows a slide and it has two halves to it. And on the one half is a dungeon master who's diligently writing notes. And he's like, are you the dungeon master that spends two to three, maybe even five hours planning out your campaign and getting ready for the session? Or are you this dungeon master that spends 30 minutes before the session prepping and you did everything through the name generator and it pops up the fantasy name generator website. And I would go, Oh my God, he nailed me. I yep. only spent about 30 minutes before the session. Yeah. I go to that website to get everything. And then I just, go from yeah because i'm like tavern i don't know that's why i bought that book uh <laughs> archaic names um and then when i i took that entire book which is a random name generator but it's in a mm -hmm. pdf and then i yeah. i took everything about that book and i put it into uh a google sheet that would then pull the names randomly to give me a full name and title and yeah. that's been a lifesaver because i'll be like oh yeah <laughs> well let's open that up jacob of Bartholus, you know, and I have like a name, but uh, before that, boy, yeah, I was, I was real bad. Yeah, <laughs> yes, Jancy, uh, Hero Quest, the, Hero the, Quest. the pooch. So they're making fun of me because in Rod of Seven Parts, I was notoriously bad at making NPC names, and I'd look around and I'm like, I don't know, uh, you run into Router, and he's hanging out, and they're like, what? And so, yeah, the the Mister Lamp, yeah. <laughs> the four dogs that were named there, I was looking around and I'm like, I don't know. And that became a joke, but I named the dogs Router, Hero Quest, uh, Morpheus, and I think Cup or something. And so they had just something like that. the stupidest names, but it it was a fun joke and that was fun for the stream. So, it, yeah. you know, sometimes it, it just has to be fun, but uh, fantastic. Well, everybody, that is our, that is our show, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for hanging out. Um, thank you for liking, subscribing, and all that jazz. Um, this is the last show before Christmas. Um, so I hope you guys have a happy Christmas if you do celebrate. I thought you were almost going to say it's the last show of the year. I was no, like, that is the next show. But we will be back on the 26th. Uh, Lucian and I talked about it. I think we're we're both free and good, so we're going to play yeah. on the 26th. 
uh, or play. We're gonna gonna do this. Uh, follow mm-hmm. us on the Twitters and join the Discord for announcements and information. Um, uh, follow Lucian on Twitch to see whenever he goes live. Uh, I am now on a, a Christmas break, so I'm thinking I'm gonna try and get these uh, Endegar videos done in the afternoons, and then in the evenings I might stream a little. Um, I've got a lot of minis to open, and that was a fun stream we did a couple of weeks ago where uh, we just opened minis and talked about how cool minis were. So yeah, those are fun. Um, so I might do that again. But uh, yeah, so follow us on all of the 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 things and stay safe, have fun, be merry, and we will see you uh, next week with the last episode of the Saturday Morning D and D Show 2020. 2020. And then I have to create a new template. For our 2021 shows. So there you go. Uh, (laughs) Bye, everybody. Take care. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.